Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's not a seed. It's like something I want to do. Actually, it reminds me. I want to talk to my friend of mine that works in the space industry, but I want to run around the moon. Um, and that's, <laughs> yeah, that's that's something I really want to do, or on Mars. And so, like, you know, I don't, I don't know uh, how how that's going to happen. I went down to NASA last year, and you know, just as an influencer, but, um, I was hoping that I would get to talk to somebody about how I make that happen. But yeah, that's, that's something like that's kind of way out there that I think would be amazing. And, um, so if anyone in your audience knows Elon Musk or, um, you know, the people like that, like Richard Branson, maybe since you're, uh, you know, in that part of the world, uh, that would be awesome. Let them know I, I'm here and ready. That, my friend, was Mike Wardian, and this is the Inspiration Runners Podcast. Hey everyone, hope you're all well. My name's Robbie Marsh and I'm your host, so welcome to the podcast. We have an exceptional runner on the show this week, Mike Wardian. He ran all world major marathons in 2016 with a world record breaking average of 2 hours 31. He ran the seven marathons in seven continents in seven days in 2017 with a world record average time of 2 hours 45 minutes. Absolutely incredible. And many, many FKTs to follow. Far, far too many achievements to mention. He was the winner of the recent Quarantine Backyard event. He is well known for racing a large number of races in the calendar year, recovering quickly and knocking out podiums as he goes. This episode was recorded on the back of an 18-hour event. He had a couple of hours sleep. He obviously won the event, which was a decrease in time backyard. It was a recorded last minute, so I could have got so much more from the man that has run most of the biggest races on the planet. The heck, this is Mike Wardian. Really enjoyed having the opportunity to unpack his thought process. Before we start, I'd just like to announce the Inspirational Runners Next event, the Finn McCool Virtual Team Challenge, which is a 1,350-kilometer race, which is equivalent of running a marathon in each of the 32 counties in Ireland. Your team of four will have 16 weeks to complete the challenge, which is a minimum of 13.1 miles a week for each team member. For the Looney Leprechauns out there, you'll have an option of chasing down the Golden Shamrock by taking on the challenge on your own. I use Brave as a giant Finn McCool, 1,350 kilometers in 16 weeks. If you're listening to this, we would love you to come and join the crack on our Facebook page named the Finn McCool Virtual Challenge. It would be great to see runners from all over the globe joining us through a virtual tour of the 32 counties of Ireland. Sounds epic. Don't give it a second thought. Registration link is in the show notes. Not to delay you any further, it's with great pleasure I give you Mike Wardian. What's the weather like over there at the minute? Hot? Uh, yeah, it has been. I was out earlier today. It was actually quite, quite mild. I was up until like, I don't know, five o'clock in the morning because I had a big race yesterday. So, so yes, yeah, so I was trying to catch a nap for the last like two hours. So you have been racing then. What was the race on? Uh, it was one of the last man standing type races, which is like, you know, you, uh, you run 4.167 miles every hour, but this one, you checked in every half hour and then every hour, the amount of time you had to finish two miles, uh, decreased by, um, a minute. So at the end we were running like 540 per mile pace. <laughs> and was, was there other people there as well? It wasn't like one you had to do yourself no, it online. Was a, it was, vir it was a virtual race. You had to check in, uh, every half hour on sky or on zoom. So how long did that go for? I'm assuming it didn't go for 63 hours if that was the format. 
No, no, no. Yeah, that's uh, it started at eight o'clock yesterday morning and it finished at two uh, thirty in the morning. So it went for like 18 hours. So that was pretty intense then compared to the usual backyard sort of format. Uh, yeah, yeah, it got it got really, uh, uh, really, really, really tough. So how did you do? Uh, I ended up winning at the end, yeah, <laughs> which was cool, <laughs> which is why it took so long. And um, what what's your thoughts about the backyard event then? Is it like because I have I've had Laz on the podcast, I had Johan Steen on yesterday, and I've done I think I've been sort of climbing that ladder of the backyarders. I have a real sort of love affair with that event, but it seems to be a sort of sport on it in itself. Um, kind of. I mean, it, it has a. I don't know about that. I mean, there's um. I feel like it's an evolution of things that we've been doing. It's just um, it's actually it just takes a lot of discipline. Like the cool part about it is, is it doesn't really favor you know people if you're fast or not. It, you just you know you just have to be mentally strong and then you know just continually show up and then uh, take care of yourself and it's I, I think that's kind of cool about it is you, you have to use a different kind of skill set if you're somebody that's you know relied on being fast that doesn't really help you yeah because ultra running obviously has a lot to do with your mental resilience and it really does open the door to those people that aren't extremely fast yes uh but also it just takes a lot of discipline like you know to to be you know cautious early and then you know be able to keep keep dealing with issues you know you're always going to have issues especially as the race goes you know longer and you know have less time to rest what do you, what do you think is the key to being successful in an event like that then i feel like a lot of it has to do with um a good support team like you know like my wife was uh really incredible yesterday she did a great job crewing me um and then i think uh, especially if you're doing them virtually, like I, I had a lot of people in my neighborhood who came out and cheered and, and whatnot. If you're doing it, I think at an actual, I haven't actually done one in person, but I assume that you're, you know, working with the other people that you're competing against also. Cause, um, yeah, and I think that happens a lot in regular ultras. Do you think it'd be harder doing it virtually than actually doing an actual event? I don't know. Since I haven't done an actual event, I feel like, you know, just thinking about it, feel like an actual event, it might be cool to like, you know, get the chance to, you know, feel what the other person's doing, you know, sit on their shoulder, they can sit on your shoulder. There's a lot of mind games in it, isn't there? Like it's sort of a bit of a game of cat and mouse or a game of chess and all these dynamics are going on on course, which can only motivate you, I suppose. Yeah, but, well, I mean, I think it works both ways, right? Like if you're looking at the other guy or girl and they seem like they're, you know, fine and you know that could be demoralizing too because you're just like wow i i'm dying and they, they feel fine like um and i think that was something you know we're dealing with last night like i just couldn't believe those guys were still in it like uh, there was like two or three people had never even run as far as we were going and they were still crushing and i was just like wow I mean, this is impressive like i'm i'm suffering and and these guys are uh are, are right there with me um so I don't know. I think it, you know, it's, that's what makes racing fun is, you know, it pushes you to, you know, figure out, you know, what you're capable of and if you can keep moving forward and, you know, to continue to battle. Yeah. I sort of find that the backyard sort of, you know, encompasses everything about ultra running, doesn't it? Like, you know, you don't have that much time, like to, to adapt to what's going on. Yeah. I think that's what people don't realize. It seems like you have a lot of time, but you really don't. And it comes quick. 
So yeah, I think, I think that's, that's, that's a really funny thing is like, Oh, you know, I'll just do it in 30 minutes. I'll have half an hour, but that when you have to go to the bathroom, eat, do everything you want to do. And, and then, you know, get back to the start line. Like and most of the time it's like 10 or 12 minutes and that goes by in the blink of an eye. So I think that's, that's the thing that becomes, uh, I think hard mentally and physically to just be like, Oh, I can't believe I just made it. And now I got to go and, and, and go out there again. And especially cause you can't take aid on the course, you know, and there's no like refueling midway or anything. You got to take everything you're going to use. Um, so you got to decide what you're going to keep. There's a lot of, you know, questions you have to ask yourself every time. And if you make the wrong choice, like you got to deal with the consequences. Yeah. Did you always have a backyard event on the radar? Uh, yeah, I did. Totally. I mean, it was, uh, something that I'd thought about for a long time. It's just one of those things where, you know, I, I work full time as an international ship broker and going to a race, like even, I, I go to longer races, but at least I know how long I'm going to be out there. But with a backyard race, like you don't know if it's going to be two days or three days or you know, four days. I mean, I guess you could just say like, well, you know, the world records, you know, I don't know, 280 miles. So it's probably not going to go longer than that. But yeah, I just haven't, haven't, haven't had a chance to do one just because of, uh, other obligations and commitments and um, you know when the quarantine one came up I kind of jumped in that last minute and I uh, really enjoyed that experience and and you know I've done a, a few of the a few of them since then um, so yeah I, I mean I, I think it would be cool to um, you know to try to get to do it in real life at some point. Um, it was pretty cool it was quite a different thing when sort of the whole world was watching this race it was a different dynamic altogether and it sort of built, built up momentum as the race went on and it came down to like the last six. Um, we had Anna Carlson on the podcast as well. who had done great. She was running on the frozen lake in Sweden. We had yourself in the USA and people all over the world coming together. Um, mm -hmm. Extremely unique. And um, what was the biggest challenges that you found? Did you, do you have any real complications that you had to break through during that event? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, well, for me, it was like the furthest I'd ever run distance wise. And then, uh, at one, you know, go, and then also, uh, the furthest time. Uh, so, I mean, I had to, um, negotiate what that looks like and, you know, what the fueling for that is all about. And then, you know, just, uh, the experience of having to continue to, you know, um, step up and, and, you know, start every time and answer the bell. And so dealing with that, like, what's that look like? Uh, also, uh, how do you fuel for that long? Uh, how do you negotiate weather for that long? You know, how do you manage your crew for that long? How do, you know, you uh, manage, you know, people that want to be involved with it? You know, yeah, I was working a little bit during it. So like, how do you, you know, how do you, how do you answer emails while you're, you know, you know, three or four days in without sleeping I'm yeah and then on. and yeah and then also you know, just you know there's a lot of you know sleep deprivation which you know i'm pretty good with but i, I hadn't you know ever stayed up that many hours uh in a row and so you know how does that feel what does that mean like you know you're stepping off into the unknown like how's your body going to react and, and then also dealing with low patches and especially you know you have some you know pretty big low swings and in, in mood and um you know i had one point uh middle of the second night or you know i was 
you know, just kind of not having a good time anymore and just didn't really want to be there anymore. And um, my wife kind of saved the day, Jennifer. She, you know, I tried to quit. And it was more like I was, I was trying to use like everybody being out in the middle of a cold night uh, just to, you know, not have to keep going. And she basically told me that's not a good enough reason to quit, you know? Um, and, you know, I was, I was fine. Like my, you know, physically I was fine. Mentally, I was just kind of, you know, worried about them and, and trying to, you know, find a way where, you know, I could let the, it was, you know, three, four o'clock in the morning, try to find, and they're standing out there and waiting for me to run around the, you know, neighborhood loop. It was like a 0.4 mile loop, you know, for the 500th time or something. And, you know, and she basically said, you know, I'm willing to stand out here as long as it's going to take you. And, you know, you shouldn't sell yourself short. And, and that to me was, you know, the permission I needed to, you know, be able to, to see what I was capable of. And, you know, since that, after that point, I felt great, man. I was like, I can do this all day. Like, you know, bring it. And that was awesome. Like, but I just needed that reassurance that, you know, me being out there wasn't, you know, an inconvenience. She didn't want to be anywhere else. And, you know, everybody in the neighborhood um, was invested in my family and, you know, if, if I need to be out there for four days, you know, they'd be right there with me. And, you know, that means a lot. I mean, that's the difference between, you know, being able to keep going and, you know, packing it up and, you know, saying I'm, I'm done. So what about food during that event then? Do you, like, has it been trial and error? Are you able to move what works in one, like, 100-mile race into a race like this? Or do you change and adapt your food? Um, like, do you have any proven yeah, things I mean, that work for you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do now. I mean, I have like liquid calories that work really well. I have um, solid foods that work really well. I mean, we used a lot of them yesterday. I mean, I had um, fresh squeezed orange juice. I had fruit. I had avocado with salt, potato chips. Um, you know, later in the event, I had some soda. Uh, I had goose. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it was awesome. Like one of the things earlier in my career is I would always just rely on gels and, you know, I'd end up throwing up after like 12 hours. And, uh, I really, um, found that, you know, if you can use them, uh, to kind of augment what you're doing, like that's, that's worked really well for me. And, um, and then get in solid foods and, um, you know, avocados work really great. Uh, white rice soups, uh, pizza, um and and when i say pizza it's more like just bread and red sauce um so yeah it's i mean and that's the cool thing about doing you know a, a backyard type race i mean you're not really moving very fast you're you're going a, i mean this last one we were moving fast um just because you know the time constraints and how it cut down but at the beginning you're just you know, basically going a little bit faster than a walk. And so, um, you know, it's easier to take in calories, but when you're saying like a, in a hundred miler, I'd say more like a mountain hundred miler where you're, you're moving a little bit slower as opposed to like a track hundred miler or a flat hundred miler where, you know, you're kind of, you know, right on the edge and, and, you know, pushing pretty hard. Like that makes it a little bit harder to take in kind of, you know, more real foods and, and more calorie dense stuff. And then also like heat and humidity and, um, you know, as opposed to cold. What about warm food then? Do you find that that's important to get into? Uh, I do. 
especially when you're you're cold at night, like soups, I think are really good or broth, um, tea. Um, so that's what's what I think has been cool about you know having raced so many places around the world and um, had experiences at aid stations, you know, from the Alps to New Zealand to Antarctica to you know Central and South America is like I'm comfortable um and I've, I've been exposed to a lot of different things and different ways to um get calories in in and uh i was able to use a lot of that in in the backyard events that i've done do you think it's important then so i went for a run the other day and used three and a half thousand calories um would you be looking to replace those calories and more in a race or would it matter if you're eating like 1500 calories on a three and a half thousand calorie run um well, I think it depends. I mean, if you're just going for like a training run, I'd rather like just get get crushed and not have to, you know, worry about refueling and, and whatever, because then you get used to what it feels like to, you know, bonk and hurt and and you know how do, how do you how how does your body cope with that? Um, whereas if you're you know trying to perform at your optimal level, then you know replacing as many of those as you can, but being bearing in mind that. Um, you know, you have to be mindful of your stomach. You don't want to overload it or tax it too much. And that it's going to take blood to digest all that stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it depends what your objectives are, but, uh, I don't really worry about it as long as I have good energy levels. And like, I think that's something that with experience, you kind of get more familiar with, like, and I, I don't ever, like, sometimes I feel like eating more and I will, and other times I don't. I just know that if, if I start to get, you know, a little bit down or I start to lose pace a bit, like I probably need to eat or drink something. Yeah. You talked about sort of your, your stomach needs blood there to digest the food. Um, in the latter parts of the race, when your heart rate starts to move up or if you're doing a faster race, um, do you tend to take more sort of liquid fuel to allow the digestion a bit quicker? Uh, yeah, I always try to have liquid fuel and I try to go, uh, with liquid fuel just because it's a great way to get in, um, obviously liquid, but then also calories at the same time. And I feel like I really learned that when I did the run across Israel, I did last year where, um, you're running like a hundred K a day and your body's just continually craving calories is, you know, it's a great way to get calories and, uh, continue to feed your your body without um having to chew and and digest as much and so like for me liquid calories are a big you know big part of what i do and um and i think that's made a big difference for me do you just go and feel in or do you have um a certain amount of calories that you'd like to take in per hour say no i just go by feel because i feel like sometimes if you get locked in on um, you know, I need 300 calories an hour or something like sometimes you just, you just don't like, it might be like, you know, a hundred degrees outside and your, your stomach's like, I don't really, I don't really want anything. And then other times, you know, you may be you know, running up a hill or something and you're like, okay, this is a good time to get in calories. And, you know, maybe you go six or 700 calories then, and, you know, 150, 200 calories at a different point. And so like, you know, I used to, uh, set an alarm for every half hour to to remind myself to eat and drink and I still do that um, but uh, in the backyard races I mean you're kind of forced to stop and, and then refuel then and you know and in, in 
the other races, I think it's, you know, you got to be more cognizant of, okay, like, have I eaten and have I drank? And, you know, when am I going to see my crew again? Especially like I've been doing a lot of fastest known times too. And, um, you know, that's kind of interesting, like, you know, partnering with people to, you know, get you ate at different points. And like, you know, sometimes you might see, not see the person for a couple hours, and, you know, I'd rather, you know, eat a thousand calories when I see them than, you know, be like, no, I'm only going to do 300 calories now. Yeah. You talked about fastest known times there and Israel. Um, so you got the FKT across Israel. It was 600 odd miles, isn't it? 618 miles. Yeah, like that, wasn't it was it? like a little over a thousand kilometers. Yeah. Um, took you just over 10 days to do that. What sort of draws you towards that type of challenge? Oh, man. I mean, that's kind of uh, an evolution uh, as an athlete, like being able to do those bigger projects. And, you know, I, I'm hoping like my big goal is to run across the country and try to set the Guinness World Record for that. And that was kind of a test run. Like, what does it look like, you know, when you're pushing your body and, you know, obviously the run across the United States would be, you know, 42 to 50 days or something. Whereas, you know, the run across Israel is a fourth of that, but, but it, you know, it's a, it's a chance to experience a country, a culture, you know, push yourself on a daily basis, deal with all kinds of different terrain circumstances and, for me, it was kind of a dream come true and a lifetime opportunity. And I, I really uh, learned so much about myself, like being able to dig to points um, that I didn't know existed. And, um, you know, I think for me, that's that's one of the you know reasons I do this is to, you know, continue to see, you know, what's possible for me and, and you know, what that looks like and, and then continue to challenge myself and that was, you know, a huge, a huge, huge thing for me and, mm -hmm. and something that I couldn't believe how fortunate I was to, to get the opportunity to do. Yeah, it's such a beautiful country as well. And you don't like you hear these things on the news and things like that. And um, running's a great vessel that takes you all around the world to meet to all the different places that you would never absolutely no way would you've done like the seven continents or the world major marathons or things like that. And like going from Israel on the fastest known time, it's it, it's a real sense of innate adventure that goes along with that as well, isn't it? Oh yeah, I mean, I I, I feel like you know that's it's a country that's been foreign to me, especially like with um, the media in the United States. You usually you know either hear of like the Wailing Wall or um, you know Dead Sea or um, places like that, but you you don't. I didn't know like what beautiful desert there was in Israel. And uh, I learned all about kibbutzes and, and, you know, the, the scuba diving in the Red Sea and just like all kinds of just amazing things. But, um, you know, I think one of my favorite things was, you know, the opportunity to get to meet all the uh, people of Israel. And, and it's not just, you know, people of one religious background. It's, you know, one of the most diverse countries in the world and it's it's kind of a microcosm for everything going on um and then the food there is it's stunningly good like it's you know you just go into like a rest stop at a gas station and it's you know probably best sandwiches you've ever had in your life and and hummus and like a platters and yeah i i was absolutely blown away what, what was your biggest challenge during that event uh 
I think uh, one of my uh, biggest challenges during the FKT in Israel was just route finding. Like it's um, it's a, a pretty well marked trail, but you, you had to kind of get a feel for how they marked it, uh, where it was marked, um, where it wasn't marked, and then yeah, just kind of staying on the course. And then I was lucky that I I had a great team. You know, the, a guy named Ian Corliss, who you might know, was part of the journey a guy named Zoli Bahari kind of set everything up and then all the people of Israel like the running community of Israel basically adopted me for a week and a half and and really took me under their wing and sh- and showed me you know what an incredible place it is and and then for for me it was just kind of um yeah just seeing you know what what your body looks like when you when you put it through something for that long and you know, that was a big challenge was, you know, I was felt like I was getting stronger as it went along. And, you know, you can only go as fast as your team. And, um, you know, sometimes, you know, maybe I was ready to go and they weren't ready or they were ready and and I wasn't, you know, having a a good day. And so like kind of one of the big things about a project like that is, you know, kind of getting everyone coordinated and, and moving in the right direction. And, um, so that was something that I was really glad I had a good team that, you know, was able to kind of get all that stuff done and, and I only had to really worry about, you know, trying to make sure I was in, you know, a good headspace and, and physically okay. And they kind of took care of everything else. And, and that was pretty in, incredible. And so that, that overcame a lot of the challenges. But I mean, I think with, with any event like that, you know, the biggest challenge is like, you know, staying healthy, like uh, you're eating food at, you know, different times and you know, kind of different places and, and, you know, just, yeah, trying to stay healthy for that long when you're pushing your body to that that level is 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 a huge challenge. So I'm assuming when you come to the starting point, then you have to get yourself in the best physical and mental state as possible. Um, how do you do that? What type of prep do you do coming up to an event like that, from a getting your body ready to go sort of position? Well, I mean, I'm always you know, <laughs> racing a lot and and you know kind of continuing to train at, at a really high level. And so I, I didn't really feel like I, you know, had to do anything particularly unique for that other than um, I tried to put on a little bit of extra weight just because uh, I knew I would burn through it. And so, you know, that's a little bit of a challenge, you know, trying to, um, you know, be a little, you know, a couple kilos heavier than you normally like to be, but just knowing, you know, in the first couple of days, you're going to, you're going to be calorie deficient and, and then, you know, your body's going to start to, you know, devour itself. And so, I mean, that was, that was a little bit uh, unique was, you know, just, just trying to be a little bit. And also like, I I really worked on uh, strength. Like I'm lucky. I have a a really good trainer that I work with a guy named Jesse Fuller. And, you know, I think that helped a lot too. It's just having a lot of, um, you know, core, core strength and mobility and, and then um, the resilience that goes along with that, and especially when you're pushing yourself at that kind of level. And, and I've continued to build off of that going forward. Yeah, it's funny, like, because usually when I ask somebody that type of question, I'm wondering what type of training load are they doing to get themselves ready for that? Um, but this is Mike Wardian I'm talking to. <laughs> so when I was <laughs> asking the question, it was like, so what type of rest and recovery do you get when you're going into a, an <laughs> event like that? Because you do, you do yeah. a lot of racing, like. Yeah, I do. I, I mean, and it's weird because I thought, like, oh, you know, uh, during this, you know, downtime where the world's kind of taking a break and there's not a lot of events 
to do that, you know, I'd be racing less than, um, than I was when, you know, I was going, like you said, to all seven continents and, you know, racing on, you know, all different parts of the world. And, uh, I feel like I've been busier (laughs) since the quarantine and have done, you know, every weekend I'm doing some kind of epic, you know, FKT or race or, you know, adventure. And yeah, so I, you know, always kind of seeking out, uh, things that interest and excite me. And, so yeah it's 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 pretty amazing that um that you know i have these opportunities and and people find what i do interesting and i feel super fortunate that my body and 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 my family allow me to you know continue to tackle these things yeah it's crazy like as fastest known times um how many have you got do you know um it's funny. I, I've gotten a bunch this year. I think I brought my total up to like 13 or 14. Uh, and I was like, oh, that's pretty good. And then I looked at the website and there's some, some, some people with like 50. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, I've got some work to do. But uh, that's the cool thing about them. I mean, you can, you can do as uh, many as you can dream up. And, um, you know, I've got a goal to, you know, continue to kind of get them. And so um, I finally, I feel like it's, um, it's a really great way to be creative and captivating. And like the last one I did was um, historic too. So like I learned all about the um, boundary stones that circle or it's more like a square, um, but they kind of encapsulate the original boundaries of Washington, DC where I live. And um, it was just unbelievably exciting to, you know, learn a little bit more about, you know, the place that I call home and, and the, the history behind them and, uh, where they're located and, you know, just how passionate people are for them. And yeah. So like, I, I feel like things like that and it's, it's just, it's just cool. I mean, like we have this gift to be able to, you know, run these, uh, incredibly ridiculous distances, like, you know, why don't we use it for good? And so like, you know, I try to do a lot of stuff with, uh, charities and like next week I'm going to run to all like the district tacos like there's like 11 of them in town but do it to raise money for charity and you know and have a taco at each one and you know it's it'll be awesome and like but it'll be like a, a fastest known time for that and you know there's yeah there's a, there's a lot of things you can and that's that's what I love about them is you can anything you can dream up you know you can you know do and submit it and if the people at the um, you know, that run the fastest known time, think it was, you know, worthwhile, they'll post it and, you know, somebody else can, you know, take a crack at it. Like you've done the 18 hours yesterday for a normal person, that would be quite taxing on the body. Um, obviously it does impact you, um, especially from your energy levels will take a slump after it and you'll have to pick yourself back up again. How or what do you do to enable you to recover so quickly? Well, I mean, I think I, you know, I already took a uh, walk today. I slept for a couple of hours and, um, you know, I'm going to, you know, go out and I don't know, maybe ride my bike or something. But uh, I think, you know, trying to stay active after a big event, I think is a really big part of it. And then also like refueling your body, like trying to get in a lot of good, um, you know, fuel uh, is, is really important. And, um you know, I like to give myself a treat after these type of things. I'm actually trying to figure out what that's going to be today. <laughs> um, you must be treating yourself then, all the time then. Yeah, it's awesome, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm racing all the time. Because you're not stopped. 
yeah, you got to treat yourself too because you know it's. I don't know if you ever seen that show Parks and Rec, but you got to yeah, you got to treat yourself. So so yeah, I mean, I think that you know being super mindful that you've just asked your body to do something incredible, and and then you know kind of respecting um, what it's craving. I think that's a big thing too. Is like you know if you're craving like potato chips and you never eat potato chips, so have a couple of potato chips like or um, cookies or you know for me a lot of times it's like you know fresh squeezed juice but you know there's something and and you know it's it probably means that that you need it and you know it's not a bad thing to you know indulge yourself a little bit um and then you know i get back to training as fast as i can and you know tomorrow i'm gonna go to the gym and 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 crank and and then get back into running man i've got to run across the country virtually you know uh, I already got some miles for some of my teams uh, the last couple days, but, you know, I don't want to let anyone down. <laughs> so, um, you know, getting back into training as quick as you can, I think is important. Yeah. Keeping the blood flow going then straight after a race and trying to get that repair starting. Um, yeah. And a lot of times, like I'll do something really hard, like the next day I'll do like a fast mile or something. But um, last night I ran so fast at the end and it's only been a couple of hours. I was just like, I'm good, but actually I'm doing a, a hard 5k tomorrow morning. Um, you know, so that's Monday morning. I'd be like, you know, uh, a little over 24 hours from, from the event. And, yeah. um, you know, I think that'll be really good. And I'm actually in this, it's pretty cool. Like, I don't know if you know the NCAA tournament that we have here for basketball in the U S but we're doing one where you run against somebody each week. Um, so it starts with 64 people and then the next week it's 32 people and then 16 and then eight and then four and then the final. So I'm in the, I'm in the eight right now. So I'm, I'm hoping to move on. So I got to get my legs back for tomorrow <laughs> to, to run a fast time. <laughs> but there's a key point though, isn't it? When you have tired legs, um, sometimes you go out and give them a good hard 5k. It just sort of wakes them up again, loosens them back up. Yep. I, I completely agree. A lot of times, like I'll just do a mile, especially after a really long, long event. You know, I think one mile, like uh, by the third lap on a track, like you're starting to really feel it. And then it's kind of over and you feel kind of dead for, you know, two or three minutes. And then you feel refreshed and revived and invigorated. And it just kind of flushes everything for me. And it's awesome. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. And fuel then, you mentioned fuel about getting good fuel in. What is good fuel to you? Like you talked a lot about fresh juices and things like that. Do you think it's important to get fresh sort of nutrients into your body? I, I Yeah, I mean, I do. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, buying, like that's something we, you know, kind of spend a majority of our um, budget on is, is, you know, healthy foods. And uh, we joined a... Um, in the u.s they're called like a csa but it's like a it's like a farm share type thing where you get stuff right from the farm uh you know we do shopping at you know kind of supermarkets that are a little bit maybe more expensive but have um you know kind of higher maybe quality food i don't know or maybe we're just paying more but um you know, it feels like you know trying to get in kind of stuff that that you know is good for you and you, should, you know you should eat like salads and uh fresh fruits and vegetables and and then you know i'm a vegetarian so i don't eat uh, meat at all i i eat eggs and honey are the two animal things that i eat but um you know our kids you know have quality meat and um 
and that kind of stuff. So I feel like that really helps to, you know, keep your body healthy. And, you know, if you, if you take care of your body, it'll take care of you. Cause it is just, it is fuel is the right word to use for it. Isn't it? Like, um, you put shit in, you're going to get shit out. It really is as simple as that. Yeah. I mean, there's a place for that too, though. I mean, I hate to sound like, Oh yeah, I only sprout my, you know, food and, and that kind of stuff. Like, I mean, there's, there's, you know, I was thinking this morning, like mm, chips and salsa might be awesome, but yeah, you, I feel like, you know, the better ingredients that you get and uh, the fresher it is, you know, the, the better you're going to feel. And, and then that's going to allow you to do what you want to do. A few years ago, I turned vegetarian as well. I call myself plant-based and all the vegans don't like me saying that, but um, <laughs> I do, I did find that my body recovers twice as quick, you know, by having, I maybe eat like 15 of my five a day and take a lot of nut, nuts and pulses and things like that. Um, I'm not anal about my food. Like, you know, I just take it as it comes sort of thing. Like, but I did find that when I eat a lot more plant-based foods that my body did recover a lot quicker. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's kind of why I tried it originally like 25 years ago is just to see like, you know, I mean, and that's, that's something maybe, you know, people in your audience might want to consider is, you know, just, you know, worst case, like, okay, you just go back to what you were doing, but you know, if you give it a couple days and, you know, see how it goes and if it um, feels good, you know, maybe go a couple more days and, or just do one day where you, you know, don't do mean and, and see how you feel. Like, I, I mean, uh, that's what I think is so cool is like, we're an experiment of one. We can try things and if it works, that's awesome. If it doesn't work, like, okay, that's cool too, you know, but at least you, you know, checked it out. And I, I was surprised too, at just how good I felt. And, you know, I, I came from a background, I'm 46, you know, when I was growing up, like there weren't a lot of vegetarians or, um, and you know, I, I was told, you know, you need protein to be an athlete. And, you know, I kind of, you know, fell into that paradigm and, you know, it's, I don't know if it's true, but I, I, what I do know is, you know, there's a lot of people doing incredible things and, and they're doing it without meat and plant and, you know, plant-based as you were saying, like way. And, you know, I was willing to like give it a go and I was shocked at how good I felt and how good I continue to feel. And, you know, I, I, I'm surprised at, you know, how, how I was worried also was like, well, you know, what are you going to eat? Like a lot of people are like, you know, where are you going to get your protein and all that kind of stuff. And, like what I think is so interesting about that is I people say that, but like, I, I don't think they know how, actually how many grams of protein you, you actually need a day. Like I, I couldn't tell you, like I can now cause I'm just started working with a nutritionalist, but like, I, you're, I feel like your body really knows, like if you're, you're craving stuff, like it, you, you've got a good indicator of, you know, what you need to do. Yeah. Half the decisions that you're making about food, you're not really making your body is making those for you. You think you're making those decisions. Oh, I'm craving this, but it's your body making those signals that it needs that. And that's why you're drawn towards it. Well, yeah. And then I think also there's the, the secondary thing where, you know, sometimes I'm just lazy and I'm just like, well, I could do this, but you know, it's so much easier just to grab something and I feel a lot of times, like, especially, you know, if we're rushing around, like, you know, it's, it's sometimes easier to just do something convenient. Whereas like, I feel like one of the things that we've done that, you know, is pretty good is you set yourself up for a success. You have that kind of stuff on hand, you know, 
fruit, fresh fruit and veg and um, nuts and you know, but almond butters and, and that kind of stuff. And then you're more apt to, you know, choose that rather than, you know, something else. And so like, I think that makes a big difference too. Yeah. I, I found that um, many years ago, I used to be a bricklayer, you know, my body was well built. And then I got a job in an office. I lost all my muscle and put on plenty of weight. <laughs> and then yeah. I, I was stress eating. And, you know, then I started doing sports and I did Ironman and things like that. My body adapted. And what I, what I realized was, you know, your body just adapts to the environment that you put it in. So if you have those sort of vegetables and fruits, all those good stuffs around you, you'll grab them and eat them. And what I did was I changed my environment rather than focus on myself and then you just adapt yeah. it doesn't matter where you live on the world you know your body will adapt and change it's an amazing thing and i suppose when you're running that's what's happening as well it's just adapting to the situation that you keep on putting your body into yeah i agree 100 um, percent. i mean i think that it's incredible like our bodies are one of the most in ingenious unbelievably um you know, blessings that we have. And like, yeah, you can, you can completely change, you know, your circumstance and, and, you know, you can go from, you know, being super lean to, you know, a bodybuilder over, you know, months and uh, vice versa. And you can, you can, you can do all kinds of insane things uh, and your body will adapt and continue to, um, you know, change and grow with you. And, yeah, it's, it's, it, it blows me away, like how, how much it's capable of and, and, you know, together you can do extraordinary things. And do you think that's sort of a new thinking about the sport? Like, cause years ago you'd pick up a magazine and, you know, they'd tell you one marathon a year, maybe two, one at the start of the season, <laughs> one at the end of the season. And um, now people are running marathons every week, hundred mile races and, you're a good example of how your body can adapt to that week in week out sort of load that you're putting on it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've always heard that since I started running in like the mid nineties and, you know, I didn't really fall under that spell originally. And, and I've continued to kind of, you know, go, go my own way in that. And I think maybe if you're, you know, trying to go to the Olympics, that's one thing, but you know, most of us aren't, you know, or just don't have the talent to be able to do that. And, and, and I think even the people that are, you know, doing the, you know, Olympic marathon or something like, you know, they're still, you know, doing events uh, a lot, like, I mean, 5Ks, 10Ks, half marathons. And I think they could do, you know, more marathons if they wanted or ultra marathons. But I think it's also like, you have to want to do it. And, you know, it's, it's not easy to go out there and and do that kind of stuff every weekend and and then you know you have to you know weigh that against like if the more you put yourself out there the more opportunity there is to get hurt and you know to be away from your family and you know for for what return and especially if you're doing it at the professional level and so you know just because you can do something like i don't know if everyone wants to do it and or should do it um but I think you can do it. I mean, there's people that run a hundred miler every weekend and, you know, that's, that's pretty incredible. Like, but, you know, I think for me, it's, you know, what, what gets you excited, what, you know, finds that 
fire in you? Like what, what makes you want to get out of bed and do the work, um, to achieve it. And, and, you know, when you, when you, when you find that you'll know, and, and then you can kind of chase it. Yeah. Cause your, your body is going to follow your mind, isn't it? You know, if you don't have that love and that passion for it, you know, your body's not going to get excited. It's not going to be up for it when you get out of bed. If it becomes a chore, <laughs> you know, your shoulders are down low. How do you yeah. how do you sustain that then? Like, you've been running for such a long time at such a high level. Um, how do you sustain that motivation? What drives you forward? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't feel like I've found my, uh, my maximum. Like, I, I don't feel like I've explored everything I want to do. Um, I, I have a thirst for experience. I have a thirst for challenges. I, I feel, you know, that I've done some neat things, but I have a lot more to continue to do. And uh, I want to take advantage of every opportunity and, and to create opportunities and, and chase the... Just your, yeah, I, your I full know. potential, like I, I suppose. Like Yeah, like I feel like, like I've, I've, you know, done done some like uh, you know mo most people would be happy with you know a fraction <laughs> of the thing the things that that uh, that i've done but but you know that's um that's still like i think one of one of my uh sponsors like he said you have a really uh, incredible gift where like you can you know do something one week and then you know you you, you don't you don't care really like you you can you know you do something you know super incredible and and then you know you're on to the next thing and and you know or it goes terrible uh, and you're on to the next thing and um you know i think that that's that's true like i i i have so many things that i want to do and um continue to want to do and um you know it is maybe a skill where you know that i i've definitely had you know <laughs> races and and experiences that, you know, weren't awesome. And, um, you know, I just, you know, try to learn what I can from them and then move forward. And I've had things that have gone great. And, you know, I, I take, take that for what it was. And, and then I continue to, you know, look to the next thing. And so, you know, I think for me, that's what gets me, you know, fired up is, you know, always the next thing and, you know, what's it going to be and, you know, how are we going to do it? And, you know, what's, what's that look like? And, you know, what do I need to do to get there? Yeah, do you, how far ahead do you plan then? Do you have like twelve months, a year and a half, sort of an idea of the big A races that you want to do? Um, not always. Like I, I, uh, I used to, you know, kind of target some things, and I'm in a really neat position um, currently where, um, you know, I'd say every day. Well, I'd say before the you know current pandemic, like every day I was getting an opportunity to do something completely like mind blowing, like once in a lifetime, you know, chance to go, you know, race somewhere or talk somewhere or, you know, be a part of something. And, you know, that's been a little bit less um, since, you know, travel has been kind of restricted, but, you know, I think, yeah, like I, I used to plan like every weekend out and I've been a little bit more flexible about just having a general idea of like what I want to do. And then, you know, trying to, you know, make sure that if, you know, something comes in that I want to do that I can do it. And, you know, that's, that's, I think been, you know, one of the greatest things about, you know, having the ability to, to, you know, race a lot and, and to put yourself out there and then having the support from my family and, and, 
you know, job and everything to be able to take advantage of opportunities when they present themselves. Yeah. The family aspect of it has to be key. You know, if you don't have their support. <laughs> yeah, totally. They say like, behind, uh, behind every good man is a good woman. And there's absolutely no doubt yeah. about that with an ultra runner. Yeah. Or a partner. Yeah, for sure. Like it's, um, it's about yeah, finding I mean, balance think, though, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, that's, that's part of, you know, being in a relationship and, uh, being an adult is, you know, it can't all be about you and, you know, how do you balance that with, you know, what your partner's goals and expectations are. And, and then also, you know, I, we have kids and so, you know, what, what do they want to do and, you know, how can you support them? And, you know, for me, like one of the biggest things that I feel really fortunate to have been able to take, take them along with me to a lot of these events and places around the world. And we really enjoy traveling as a family and learning about different cultures and places and people. And yeah, that's, I mean, I think that's for me, one of the, the, the most unique and coolest things about what we get to do is, you know, we, get to do it as a family and uh, we get to see the world at the same time just before the podcast um i went into your ultra sign up to get a look and that's normally what, what i'll pull out and um for the first time ever i did not know what to talk about because there was so much <laughs> there was so much on the list and um, but there was one year totally stood out 2017 um it was on your your blog as well you raced 1610 miles in that year actually raced and yeah like last year it was 1800 <laughs> you raced 1800 last year yeah it's just mind-blowing to think about going from one race to the next race to the next race some of the highlights in that year 2017 one was the seven marathons and seven continents in seven days we had christine madison on the podcast a couple of months ago she came first this year um but yes, oh, yeah you absolutely smashed the world record on those that event i think it was an average of two hours 45 minutes yeah that was uh, that was um yeah a really a really a really incredible opportunity uh that's an uh, amazing event it's put on by a guy named richard donovan and he's a irish guy and uh he and his team do such an incredible job and um yeah i was i was so excited to be able to take part in that and you know i wanted to you know do as well as i could and it went really went really good yeah because you, you ran a sub three in every single continent um even the antarctica yep. so how did the, the antarctica must have been the most challenging one of all uh it, it, i mean it was just as far as um you know just being antarctica but um you know and uh, the course was actually pretty uh, runnable and and it was actually good conditions it was kind of chilly i should say it was good conditions when i was running i finished before like a windstorm came in and destroyed everybody else that was on the on the course so like i i kind of got lucky i had a good window and i was able to finish before it got really gnarly and and yeah so it, it was one of those things where uh, you know i i i got done before it got really bad and I feel like a lot of times that's how it works. And I, I swear one of my favorite uh, memories in the, in the entire time I've been running and in my entire life is, um, you know, the, the, the landscape of Antarctica and just um, there was a, an opportunity to kind of just take a moment while I was running. I was maybe like 
10 miles into the race and I just kind of uh, left everybody else and was just by myself. And there was these huge shafts of light kind of cutting through the clouds and uh, along a mountain range. And it was, yeah, it was one of those moments where you're just like, I can't believe this is real and I can't believe I'm here. And, um, you know, that, that was something that was kind of etched and burned into my mind was just, man, we are so lucky to, to get to do these type of things. And, um, yeah, I kind of, I kept that thought throughout the course of the entire event and, um, you know, just kind of tried to recover and push myself at each and every opportunity. And yeah, it went really well. Was that the fastest time that has ever been run in Antarctica? Was 254, 253? Yeah, that's my understanding. Yeah, it's the fastest time ever run for a marathon in Antarctica. <laughs> it's just random. <laughs> yeah, so. It's just random even hearing you say that, like fastest time in Antarctica to run a marathon. Um, that's what, yeah, uh, exactly. He, he chooses Antarctica on day one, doesn't he? Because he has to get the window right. Yeah, that's what he normally does. Although this year they did it on day two because there was so much like just bad weather in Antarctica. So they ran in Cape Town and then they flew to Antarctica and did a marathon there. And then, you know, so that's that's what they normally do is you start in Antarctica just because it's so tricky with the weather. You don't want to get, you know, you don't want to start and then not be able to get to Antarctica. But yeah, normally that's how that's how it's done. And did it surprise you then how your body was adapting to going to a different continent every day? It sounds pretty epic, like when you say it, you know, even yeah. tra traveling to a different continent every day would be pretty cool. Um, but it's a lot, it's pretty taxing on your body, even, you know, the altitude and the flying and all of those good things all combined together. Um, but then to run an average of 245, like, were you surprised at how well um, your body no, adapted to it? No, I was pretty fit. Like I had uh, leading up to that, I had, um, you know, run a lot of marathons. Um, in 2016, I did all the world marathon majors, uh, and averaged an, uh, two hours and 31 minutes. Uh, and then I did a bunch of marathons leading up to it. So like, I knew I had Is that a really world record as well. Yeah, oh, it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, I knew I had really good fitness and, um, and then actually on the way to, uh, the world marathon, um, the world marathon challenge, I did a six hour race and ran a little bit over 50 miles. And, um, so like I, I, I was, you know, really fit and like confident. And so like, I knew I had good endurance and fitness and I've done a lot of stage races. And so like, I know that I can, you know, bang out races back to back to back to back and, um, and I kind of looked at it like that, you know, it's kind of a big stage race, you know, you fly around the world, but basically, you know, you're just, you know, trying to recover as quick as you can and then get ready to run again. And, and so that's kind of the way I did it. And, uh, it worked out well for me just cause I, you know, do travel so much that, you know, I'm kind of used to, you know, stuff not being there when they say it's going to be there. And, you know, the customs officers like deciding that they don't like your passport and, you know, to, all the restaurants are closed and you know all that kind of like little stuff that can you know stress other people out was like just kind of like okay yeah that's just part of being a traveler and so like I think a lot of these things that you know I've I've done uh well in it's um a function of like having you know built up the the skills to be able to negotiate you know things when they don't kind of go the way you expect or you know different than 
what your you know thoughts and and beliefs on how it was going to go and yeah so yeah it was it was one of those things where yeah i was hopeful that i could run even a little bit faster but um you know i was happy at the end on how it turned out i was thinking at the start of uh, the episode what i would call this and it was going to be a year in the ultra in the life of an ultra runner 2017 i was going to pick on like <laughs> and um but it's more like the traveling ultra runner you've been absolutely yeah. everywhere like to do the world major marathons in 2016 um your average pace being 231 like that is just unbelievable i think i actually did the world majors myself um which was an epic journey yeah so what did you do last year you know if that wasn't big enough to do seven marathons and seven continents in seven days you decided to do 10 marathons in seven (laughs) continents in 10 days like what the heck who does that yeah, man, that was that was actually a goal. I, I, there was a guy. I think it was he's a British guy, Adam Tango or something. And he had I'd seen that he had set the record for ten marathons in ten days. And so in 2017, I thought about doing it, but the um, the race ended in Sydney, Australia, and I couldn't get three more marathons done and fly home and pick up my family because we were doing a hundred k in New Zealand like the week after. And so like I had to fly home and then fly back to New Zealand from Sydney, which was kind of crazy, but also like my wife didn't want to travel with the boys by herself. And so I was like, fine, I'll fly home and fly back. And so I did that. And I just, I didn't have enough time to be able to run a marathon and fly for like 20 hours. So when 2019 rolled around and I got the opportunity to do the world marathon challenge again, I was saying like, oh, well, it finishes in the U.S. and Florida in Miami. And, you know, maybe I'll run three marathons at the end in Miami. And, and it actually ended up that I was able to fly home. And then, you know, before the 24 hours was up, do another marathon. And so I did three marathons when I got back and, and set the world record for 10 marathons in 10 days, which was pretty awesome. What What is, just to finish, um mike what's your biggest failure because all i've heard is <laughs> fastest known times um world world records like you've this huge list um behind you of phenomenal achievements like oh man i've ha- i've oh man yeah I've, i mean if if you've had success you've definitely had failures i mean uh I've, I've, i think i've dropped out of six races out of you know maybe like 500 or 600 but like those are you know races where you know you didn't do what you set out to do i've dropped out of uh boston i've dropped out of a, a race in china you know I've, I've had the spartathlon where i got hypothermia and chafed so bad i was like bleeding everywhere and like yeah i mean there's there's been you know maybe expectations where i was hoping to you know win uh a medal for the u.s in the 100k world championships and you know i just didn't have the race i wanted you know so you know there's there's definitely been you know it's not all uh accolades for sure you know um but you know that's that's if you put yourself out there a lot you know enough times like you know you're not going to have the day that you expect or want and um you know that's just the way it works um so yeah, that's just part of the part of the gig. Yeah, it's good, um, good to know that you're human. Yeah, I mean, it, it's you know, I've I've never had a good race at Western States. Like I've always, you know, got my butt kicked. You know, I've I've done okay at, at UTMB. Uh, you know, I've I've done okay at, at at some of those races, but you know, I I feel like you know I I should have you know maybe been able to 
execute better and but that's you know that's just part of it you know you you put yourself in in tough positions and you know sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't but um you know that's that's the risk you take every time you toe the line just to finish then have you any real big aspirations i'm sure you do like out there so you talked about um potentially racing across america is there anything that is sort of way out there that your mind hasn't really accepted yet but it's a seed planted in the back of your mind yeah i mean i I mean it's not a seed it's like something i want to do actually it reminds me i want to talk to my friend of mine that works in the space industry but i want to run around the moon um and that's (laughs) yeah that's that's something i really want to do or on mars and so like you know i don't i don't know uh how how that's going to happen i went down to nasa last year and you know, just as an influencer, but, um, you know, I was hoping that I would get to talk to somebody about how I make that happen. But yeah, that's, that's something like that's kind of way out there that I think would be amazing. And, um, so if anyone in your audience knows Elon Musk or, um, you know, the people like that, like Richard Branson, maybe since you're, uh, you know, in that part of the world, uh, that would be awesome. Let them know I I'm here and ready. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Things sound crazy until somebody does it. And then all of a sudden, yeah, it's right. Not. Mike, appreciate your time today. I'm sorry about the startup. Um, I know how generous you'd be with everybody with your time. Like, so I really appreciate the call today. Yeah, no worries, man. It was a, a pleasure. Thanks for um, thanks for having me on. Another spurb episode from one of the best long distance runners on the planet. So much so, he's looking to see what events are opening on our nearby planets. Not sure if he was winding me up, but everything was once thought impossible. Started with a thought, an idea, then materialized until the impossible became possible. Hope you enjoyed this episode. It would be great to see your name on the list for the Finn McCool Challenge. It's going to be epic. That's on the 10th of July. Make sure you drop into our Facebook page as we're going to have the crack over the 16 weeks. And it'd be awesome to see you. So until next week, stay safe and keep on moving.